Well, hey, Peggy Sue, welcome back to This Is 50 Podcast. Hey, Lynette, it's so good to talk with you. Awesome. Hey, listen, so the reason why I'm having you back is because on our last episode together, when we were talking about, you know, everybody's got a story in them, you as an author of 30 books, how people can quickly ease into to writing their own story, um, you brought up this concept of five R's. And I, I really love this story. I love the concept of the five R's. And so that's the reason why I wanted to bring you back, because I feel those five R's are relatable to everybody that's listening to this podcast. So I'm actually just going to get us jumping right into it. So bring up the story again um, around the five R's, and then let's go into a deeper conversation around them, Peggy Sue. Absolutely. So we had talked about people having stories and writing their books. And I found one thing that holds us back is when we are in some really complicated situations with our relationships, it just bleeds over into everything else. And so with my own situation, my own family, I started realizing that sometimes we would get together as a family and it was like for the holidays and it was like, emotionally abuse one another and then have pie. And I thought, what is going on here? Because I grew up with that and I didn't want to continue it. And uh, there's a scripture that is Romans 12, 18 that says, as far as possible, live at peace with everyone. And I'm like, well, I'm clearly doing my part. So God, you need to deal with all those other people because they're the ones that need your attention. And I just kind of felt like he's like, you know what, the one common denominator in all of your relationship situations, whether it's coworkers or family or someone that's in your neighborhood, is me. So let's do the work. And so it, I'll set it up that this is how it works in our lives. One Saturday morning, I was up early. My daughter gets up. She's a teenager, joins me in the kitchen, and she's just grousing around the house. And I tried to cheer her up. Typical mom mode, make her tea, tell a few jokes. And she didn't drink the tea and she didn't laugh at my jokes. And when I made her pancakes, she just sat and pushed that pancake around on her plate and she didn't eat it. And I just started feeling very rejected. I'm like, here's her and I together on a Saturday. How fun is this? And she's miserable to be with. She's not interacting. She doesn't like my tea, my jokes, and my pancakes. And so I went into what I would call rejection. I'm feeling very rejected by my child. And so from rejection, I'm like, gosh, I don't like how rejection feels. I really dislike this feeling. And I really dislike the fact that it's coming from someone in my family that I love, that I'm close to. So then I moved into resentment. I'm very resentful that I'm feeling rejected. And so I'm sitting there at the table with her while she's pushing her pancake around. And from reject from resentment, I move into the next R, which is resistance. So I'm like, okay, fine. You're not looking at me. I'm not going to look at you. You're not going to talk to me. I'm not going to talk to you. So if you have ever given or received the silent treatment, yeah. that's it. It's resistance. and Resistance is like the complete antithesis of any sort of maturity whatsoever. So here I am, an adult, doing this to my child. And what I would have done next, if I hadn't been already working on the five R's and recognizing them and what they were doing to destroy my relationships, is I would have gone into revenge. And so right on the tip of my tongue is like, gosh, I'm really hurting right now, and I want her to know how I'm hurting. I want her to know how I'm feeling. 
And so the way that I'm going to do that is I will say something that hurts her in the same way that I'm hurting, and then she'll know, then she'll understand. So what was on the tip of my tongue to say was, hey, when are you going to clean your bathroom? Wh how about that bedroom? When are you going to get your bedroom clean? And how about that homework? Are you keeping your schoolwork up above sea level? And so that's what I call revenge. That's where there are stilettos coming out of my mouth that are aimed at her. And that's the revenge part. And so then from there, what is her reaction going to be? Her reaction is going to be to backpedal away from mom who is slinging stilettos from her words. And so then we move into what's called repeat. She backs away because I am being unsafe and unkind to be with. And so those are the five R's. It starts with rejection, moves into resentment, then resistance, then revenge. And then because we're in relationships with each other a lot, as in families and coworkers and communities, we go into repeat, where we just repeat these cycles over and over and over again. And so it becomes something that is very practiced, and practice makes permanent. And we go into the five R's to the point that eventually we destroy relationships to the point that we cannot bring them back together again. Wow. Okay. So I, I just want to just do a quick summary of those five R's because I, I think that those five R's can be brought into any type of situation, whether it's family, business, uh, self-sabotaging. So, so, so something happens or is said, done or not done that results in you feeling rejected. And then the uh, rejection feels lousy, so I become resentful about feeling rejected. And then the in your resentment, I resist the relationship with that person because I feel resentful towards that person. And then resistance becomes an action as revenge, the desire that you feel the same pain I felt. And then it goes into that repeat cycle, which is unresolved. This cycle repeats until a relationship is damaged beyond repair. And so we've got rejected, resentful, resist, revenge, repeat. And that I absolutely think is something that is, is you know, if we can learn to recognize those behaviors, uh, we can definitely bring them to forward into some solutions. So give us an example of what those five R's, um, Peggy, could look like in a situation where you're trying to do something for yourself. Here's the thing about doing something for myself, such as I'm deciding to write a book or I'm going to write my story. I'm going to you know, leave this um, story that I've had in my head, put it out on paper and write a book. And so what am I going to tell myself? And the stories that we make up in our head are always negative. The story that I made up in my head with my daughter was, gosh, it's Saturday morning and I really stink as a mom because she'd rather be anywhere else on Saturday morning than here with me. And so if I'm thinking about writing a book, I'll start and then I'll be like, oh, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I don't have a story that's good enough. I'm not a good enough writer. Nobody's going to care about this. And so I tell myself something negative. What I did with my daughter that particular day, because I saw that I was in the five R's, and I'm here to tell you, you are in one of those five R's with somebody in your, in your circle. We are generally in one of the five R's with pretty much everybody we know. Once you start recognizing it, you're like, Holy Toledo, this is like really goofy. So what I said to my daughter right before I went into revenge, right before I went into, hey, when are you going to clean your room? When are you going to keep your grades above sea level? Right as I started to do that, I'm like, oh, I'm in the five R's with my daughter. I'm about to go into revenge. 
what could I do instead? And what I said to her was, I said, Hannah, the story I'm making up in my head right now is that I stink as a mom. You'd rather be anywhere else than here with me on Saturday morning. And Hannah just kind of blinked and like she was coming back to reality, to the now that we were in. And she looks at me and she said, Mom, I just found out that the boy I babysit for has leukemia. Mm -hmm. So much of the stories that we're making up in our head become our reality. And I'm responding to her out of this made up story that has nothing to do with reality, but it's my reality. And we're treating people based on stories that we're making up on our head. We are all great fiction writers. It's all up here. And so this is where we've got to change how we are responding to ourselves and to others because it changes our whole world around us. Right. Yeah. So tell me, so you, you were, you were talking just a little bit briefly about your publishing, your book publisher, or your, you know, you're writing this book and you're thinking, ah, well, no one's going to be interested in, in writing the book. So how do you overcome that when you sit down and you, you know, you've got 30 books under your, you know, under your belt, so to speak. So you, you, you mentioned that we're all in one of those R's at some point in time. So tell me how you get through that when it comes to beyond a relationship with your family member and more to like what you want to try to accomplish for your goals. Most of it starts with recognizing the five R's, recognizing. So I put up these road signs so that as I'm going along, I can tell if I'm getting off track and I'm getting into the weeds with one of the five R's. So one of the first things is, what are the signs that I'm in a 5R and then how do I get out of it? What's the prescription out of that? So to be, and I'm going to set rejection aside. We're going to do that one last because it's the big one that starts the parade. And if you recognize that one, we can stop and we don't even go into the parade of the 5Rs. But so let's say we're already into resentment. How do I know that I'm in resentment? You will know and I will hear it because it comes out my, 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 my mouth because I'm saying things like, well, she should clean her room. Well, he needs to step it up. They ought to do such and such. Well, I'm not perfect, but, okay, those are the phrases that indicate I am in resentment with someone. And so when I'm in that resentment, I need to hear that. And then I was like, oh, okay. So I'm in resentment. How do I get out of it? The way to get out of resentment is then to change those words into phrases of gratitude. So we have okay. adult kids. There are times that our adult kids don't tell us what they're doing. And, you know, when they were little, we were all involved in their lives. Now they're all grown up. Yeah. And sometimes they, sometimes they tell us and a lot of times they don't. And I had to come to the point of realizing, do they need to tell me? Like, no, I raised them to be adults, functioning people in society. Do they need to check in with their mom? Absolutely not. So when I find out, oh, gosh, that was cool. I kind of wish I would have known. What do I do instead? I can be like, well, he needs to tell his mom. She ought to be letting me know. I'm not perfect, but at least I keep in touch. Okay, that would be resentment. So instead, what I do is I say, I am so glad that I have adult children that are involved in the community. I am so glad that I have adult children that are functioning out there and doing good things. I am so glad that I have adult children that know that they're adults and they know they don't have to check in with their mom. And so when I turn it into a gratitude and a thankfulness, that resentment disappears. So that's we're going to notice that in our mouth. Now think about it. How many times do you run into a woman and you hear these things coming out of her mouth about her spouse or about her partner or 
those are unresolved hurts. She's got an unresolved hurt there. Sometimes we can bring it up and go, hey, you know, I'm noticing this. Do you want to walk through that maybe? Sometimes they're going to say yes, sometimes no, but at least we understand where it's coming from. So that's how you notice resentment and get out of it. The next one is resistance. Resistance is that silent treatment, refusing to make eye contact. And when you think of it as parents doing that to our kids, it's like, hello, what is wrong with me anyway? It's like, grow up. So when I notice that I am in resistance to someone, I need to flip and do the exact opposite. Instead of disengaging, I need to engage. I need to make eye contact with my daughter, Hannah. I need to speak to her like I did. Hey, Hannah, the story I'm making up in my head right now. That was coming out of resistance and engaging in that relationship once again so that we had a relationship. So when you notice you're doing the silent treatment, you're not engaging. When you notice somebody that you work with is not doing that, they're, they're you know, really not paying attention to you. If you can like just kind of walk up and, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Um, just make an engagement, build that bridge. A lot of times our family traditions do that. We have a friend that their son had wandered off. As an adult, he was gone. Nobody knew where he was. And one Halloween, there's the knock at the door, and mom opens the door, and there's their son. And she's like stunned, and she's like, hi. And he said, well, it's Halloween, so we're having pumpkin soup, right? Because that's what they had done every year the whole time he was growing up. And so our family traditions sometimes become those bridges where we can reconnect when we've been in resistance to one another. And then the revenge mm -hmm. one. How do I know I'm in revenge? That's when I'm trying to hurt someone. When I want someone else to feel the same pain that I'm feeling, I have moved into revenge. And so what I need to do instead is that I need to be giving. I need to be very generous. And so when I'm wanting to resist someone and I want to stay away from them because I'm hurt, it's better for me to have a gift of some sort and give to that person. And it breaks that cycle. It breaks the revenge. It breaks the five R's. Now, there are some times, and you and I are aware of this, there are some times that there are people that are not safe for me to be involved with or for me to even be giving to because they're just not safe. We need boundaries. That person who stole your business or the attorney that's been going after your jugular or maybe that ex-spouse or ex-partner who's very cruel and unkind, that is not the person to be involved with and being generous with because that's dangerous and we're smart enough now at our age that we know how to have healthy boundaries. But then I need to find someplace else, somewhere else where I can give and be generous so that I don't get wrapped up in that revenge because that's an ugly place to be. And then the last one is the repeat. And the way that the repeat happens is we show up at those family gatherings and we're like, so who's that so-and-so not talking to this year? You know, which of the siblings is going <laughs> to pout when they don't get their way? And so we expect these people to have these behaviors and we let them and we sort of play into it. And so it's better to then walk in and say, I don't have any expectations that someone has to behave a certain way. And so when I see you driving down the road and in our little towns, we wave. And so you and I pass on the road and I don't wave. You could go into the five R's like, oh, is she offended with me? Why didn't she wave? Yeah. What you, what you don't know is I'm on the phone with one of my kids who's got an issue and we're trying to like work it out really fast and I'm probably on my way to help them. I didn't even see you. I don't even know you're on the road with me. We do that in church. We do that at the office, walking down the hall. 
someone doesn't wave or they don't respond and I go into the five R's about being rejected when the truth is give people the benefit of the doubt. Each one of us is doing our very best to live our life the best we possibly can. And a lot of times we're just so wrapped up in what's going on with us. We don't even notice what's happening. And so I don't want somebody to expect that I always have to behave a certain way, that I always have to say hello. Mm -hmm. I always have to give. I always have to bring banana bread to the Bible study. Please don't expect those things from me because I will let you down, not on purpose, but I will let you down. So when we give each other the freedom that I have no expectations of you the same way I want you to have no expectations on me, we're going to have better relationships. So that's how to yeah, do the... so good. That's the resentment, the resistance, the revenge, and the repeat. So let's talk about the big one, which is the very first step in that parade, and that's rejection. <laughs> the Reject beginning of it all. <laughs> yes. This one is so... And it's, 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 it hits all of us, but rejection happens when I interpret something in a negative light. So I will look at something and then I make up the negative story in my head and it's always negative. We never make up good stories about ourselves in our head. I don't know why, but that's just how that, that goes. So in the situation with my daughter, if I would have gotten up on Saturday morning, noticed she's grousing around the house, maybe made her tea, make her pancakes, she didn't respond, oh well, and if I would have stuck to the facts, and the facts are, the facts are, my teen is grousing around the house this morning. If I would have stopped there, we'd be fine. Eventually, she'd tell me what was going on, and I could just go on with my day and not take it personal. And so it's stick to mm -hmm. the facts. So a little while ago, last May, we had a wedding. My youngest got married. And if you want drama in a family, have a wedding. It just... <laughs> It brings out everybody's opinions, and they all think that they need to be the one in charge. So at one point, one of the sisters, because I have six daughters, one son, one of the sisters was doing the bridal shower. So she comes to me, as she's, you know, getting all of her details done, and she says, so, Mom, that friend of yours that you invited, are they coming? And I, like, I went, well, I sent the invitation, and I called twice. <laughs> And I haven't heard anything, so I don't know. Do you hear that in my voice? I mean, you can just hear the stilettos running out. And so because we've been working in the five hours, my daughter said to me, so mom, what's the facts? I'm like, oh, the facts. There we go, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> the facts, that's good. Yeah, the, the facts are, I sent an invitation, called twice, haven't gotten through, I'll call again. Do you see the change? It's just completely mm -hmm. different by not going into making up the story of the rejection. So the, the magic bullet for all of us, stick to the facts. Because if someone has a problem with you, they'll probably eventually tell you. Otherwise, just know it's not about you. We have so much going on in our lives. We can't assume it's about us. We're not that important in people's lives. So the best way That's is right. to stick to the facts. And I can tell you a great story about how that works in the workplace, in my experience. Um, years ago, my very first two books out of the 30 that have my name on them, they were with a particular publishing company. And I loved working with this publishing company. And then I submitted two more ideas to them, two or three, but I know two for sure, maybe three. And each time they said, ah, you know, thanks for thinking of us, but no thank you. 
thanks for thinking of us, but no, thank you. We're, we're not going to take that, that book idea. Well, after the second or third, I told myself a story. And the story that I told myself was, I'm not one of their best-selling authors. They don't want to work with me anymore. So I didn't submit any more ideas to my very first publisher, who was one of the top 10 publishers. And so instead, I found another publisher who took the two ideas and was happy with them. Well, those two books didn't sell really well. So I made up another story in my head. And the story in my head about the second two books was, well, they didn't sell well, so I'm sure they don't want to work with me anymore. So, so at that point, I have made up a story about my first publisher and stopped submitting to them. I made up a story about my second publisher and stopped submitting to them. And so I don't know where my career would have been if I hadn't made up the stories. But some years later, I was at a big convention. And at this convention, I ran into the people that had my first two books. And they said to me, oh, my gosh, Peggy Sue, it was so good to see you. Hey, you're one of our authors. We haven't heard from you in a while. You need to send us some more ideas. Oh, my gosh. Right? Oh, no. Because I did not understand that in my industry, authors sling a bunch of ideas out to our publishers. And our publishers look at their catalog and say, well, we already have one on marriage. We already have one on family. We already have... So, we're going to say no to those. We just did one on grief. We just did one on, and so they'll, they're saying no to me, not because it's a bad idea. They're saying no to me because they already have one in their catalog and you don't run two of them together. Or they're saying no to me because wow. they found that that's a niche topic and nobody wants it right now. Whatever their reasons are, it's a business thing. It's not about me personally. So in that case, in that case, when you talk about the facts, you know, had you known, had you understood sort of the, that exact part of the story, you would have said, oh, okay, so then what kind of book do you want to see? I would have said, particularly, you, right? yeah, I would have said, are you looking for something in particular that I can supply for you? Or do you want me to just keep slinging ideas at you? And they would have said, yeah, we're looking for this and please keep slinging ideas because yeah. publishing companies don't always know what they want until they see it. When it's in front of them, they're like, oh, that's mm -hmm. a great idea. They don't always know. Yeah. The other At that same convention, I ran into my second publisher, too, because they also had representatives at their booth. And I said, hey, guys. And they're like, oh, Peggy Sue, it's so good to see you. And, they, and yeah. the, edit, the editor said, and I owe you the biggest apology. Our publishing company owes you an apology. When your two books came out, we didn't even have a marketing department. We didn't even have one. So we had no way of marketing your book except to put it in the catalog. So we're really sorry that the numbers are down, that they weren't as good as what we had hoped and surely what you had hoped, but we can't wait to work with you again. So I Amazing. made up stories yeah. in my head that killed my career. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wouldn't say it killed your career, but, you know, I mean, you still are an accomplished author. But yeah, I mean, I can see how, you know, the, the insecurities and that are driven from rejection can continue to plummet you into, you know, stagnation. So the important thing is ask, figure out what are the facts. And then if you don't know, then ask. 
I could have gone back to my second publisher and said, hey, the numbers aren't so hot. Do you still want to hear from me? It would have been that simple. But again, I made up the story in my head. It was my reality. I lived my life based on a story in my head that was my reality, but had nothing to do with the true reality and what the facts were. So always go back exactly. to what are the facts? What are the facts? What Stick are to the, the facts? facts. Stick to the facts. And stop stop the five hours from happening right at the the minute of that feeling of rejection and think through what is it that's really happening here and maybe even just sort of write it out okay so here's what i think is happening here's what could be possibly happening sort of almost like a bit of a could be and and is like even if you can't go back to that publisher like in your case you never asked well, what, what do you want to see? You just automatically, you're young, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, there's insecurities that come out immediately when we start thinking about when we're rejected for something. But as you say, as we get older, we have a little bit more maturity and understanding. And so we have that capability to really go after the data. And so that's the message that I'm getting from, from you today is, understand what's happening uh, in that other person's mind. We often try to have relationships with people that we want that relationship to look like, and that also causes rejection for us. So we have to understand what is that person capable of in terms of, of having a relationship, what's, what, what's going on in their day. I mean, it, it's, it's a hard thing to always be thinking em- empathetically, um, but it's, you know, it, it really would help sort of probably in a lot of situations, you know, to, to stop that rejection right from the very beginning, that feeling of rejection. And we get to take the focus off ourselves and even off other people when I just stick to the facts. What are the facts? The facts are, um, you know, she passed me in the hallway, didn't say hi. That's the fact. She's probably got something on her mind. Keep but, going. So in that case, can you, like, there's so many sayings out there, right? It's, it's not me, it's them kind of thing. Is, is that like an appropriate way to think? Nope. It's what are, what are the facts? Just what are the what facts? What are the facts? What are the facts? Okay. The facts That's are good. this, the facts are this person's in a mood. The facts are this person showed up meet, late to the meeting. The facts are this person didn't have the report done when they were supposed to. That's the facts. How do I move forward from mm-hmm. here and take all the other stuff in the story out of it? Just what are the facts? The facts are my teenager is browsing around the house. That's the facts. It's okay. You know, and if we do that, particularly as we have grown children, we can interpret all kinds of things totally ridiculous and wreck up our relationships when we get together on the holidays. Instead, what are the facts? The facts are they went out of their way to show up. They came. When we were young adults and we had kids and we lived maybe far away, packing up the car and coming to, you know, moms, coming to grandmas. I just go, the facts are they took the time. They showed up. That's it. That's the facts. And then I let the rest go and I'm just grateful for the moment. That's great. Well, hey, Peggy Sue, it has been an amazing conversation. I love those five R's. I love the stories behind them. I love the the tips that you gave. Uh, I'm definitely going to have the the five R's sort of what it is and some helpful tips in sort of solutioning those five R's uh, in the show notes where people can download it and uh, reference it. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, You're wonderful. I love you, as you know. Um, And I guess I'll see you next Tuesday in our mastermind group. Absolutely. And for those that are wanting to know where they can find the five R's all written out, I wrote the book, The 10 Best Decisions a Single Mom Can Make. And there's a chapter just on the five R's. So it's all written out in that book. Okay, that's good to know. 
Yeah, and if you ever need to contact me, go to PeggySueWells.com and connect. Awesome. So Peggy Sue, just a quick, real quick, that, that book is on Amazon? It is. The 10 Best Decisions okay. a Single Mom Can Make. It's got lots of parenting tips. So whether you're single or not, great parenting tips and a whole chapter on the five R's. Okay, well, there you go. That's awesome. Thanks, Peggy Sue, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, Lynette.